Welcome, everyone. Episode 63 of the Health and Wealth Podcast. Steve Giordano. I'm really, really excited today for someone on our team with FFL Selfless up in Virginia, Mr. Michael Sean Ronzio. I know this is not the first time I've asked you about your name. Give me the full clarity. Sean is the middle name, correct? That's correct. All right. I always feel like I screw it up, but I like calling you your full name. I went, I went by Sean uh, throughout my childhood, but once I started a business, I went by my legal first name, and honestly, I feel like it's my true power. I like that. That's, that's smart. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Well, you have a, a great story and a journey that you know we want to kind of unpack here. Let's start here. Where did you grow up? Uh, I, I grew up in a little bit of a rough neighborhood in Chicago. Never really did too good in school. Kind of always getting in trouble. Um, once I got a little bit older, I always was like kind of making money the wrong ways, if you would. And, um, you know, once I had my first son, I realized that I can't be looking over my shoulder all the time. So I kind of gave that life up and started, you know, like working and building my skill set up. And um, I ended up working at a, at a company where uh, I worked my way up the ladder pretty quickly. Uh, it was a corporate facility. We built cubicles and ran a warehouse and I ended up becoming a site supervisor and the best year I had there was probably about 120 grand. But the problem I had with it was that, you know, I hit a ceiling, like I hit the top spot so quickly, I had no more room for growth. And what I had to do to get that $120,000 was almost unbearable. I mean, I was working like 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week, some weeks. Um, and honestly, a big part of that is I, I looked at some of the veterans at that company and I quickly realized that they didn't have what I wanted. So I was just kind of like wheels turning, thinking about what I could do. And I kind of learned about uh, network marketing after that because I wanted to build some sort of residual income. Uh, I went I went through a few different network marketing companies. I did good in some, I did horrible in some others, but it just really wasn't for me, you know? Um, but I always wanted to build residual income. And that was always kind of like my passion. I, I knew I always wanted to work for myself also. Uh, my grandpa was one of my mentors and he always told me to work for yourself because you can control your income and outcome. Um, so I always thought that was pretty powerful. And I'll be honest with you, Steve, this, this opportunity where I'm at right now is the first time in my adult life that I could remember that I am not sitting here trying to build all these different streams of revenue. Like mm -hmm. I'm in a position now where I make enough impact and I make enough money to be happy. And I could take this money that I'm making from, the field and reinvest it into some of the products we sell to create generational wealth. So I don't need to do all these things. Like I could literally just master my craft here and uh, do something spectacular. It's interesting. At what age did you have that kind of thought or epiphany where it was like, all right, like I have to work 80 hours a week. I'm going to hit that ceiling. How old were you at that point? Honestly. So, um, I made a lot of money in my youth doing the things I was doing back then that weren't good. Um, but so once I transitioned into like being like an actual human and, and showing up to work, uh, my work ethic's always been very strong because I wanted to make the same amount of money I was making over there just in a legitimate way. So I've always worked very hard. I mean, my, my dad's always worked very hard too. So work ethic is just something that has been instilled in me since day one. Because to me, it doesn't matter. I mean, if I was working at you know, McDonald's or something, I, I would still work as hard as I can because that's just who I am. It doesn't matter where I'm at. I'm going to work and uh, build a future for my family. What did your parents do for work? 
actually, it's kind of funny because my, my mom was actually in the financial, uh, I don't know exactly what she did, but she was in the financial products business for a long time when, when I was younger. Uh, and my dad's always sold appliances. He, he works at this place in Illinois called uh, ABT. It's like a, it's like a top shelf uh, electronics place and stuff like that. You know, it's interesting because a lot of people have the epiphany like you had, and you, you, you almost feel like there's just more for you and you need the right vehicle. And what ends up happening, and it's all good, you go through different vehicles and you fail forward. But you always know in the back of your mind, you're like, I know I'm doing this for the right reason because there's more here for me than me being you know, tapped at 120 to work 80 hours a week. But you were just trying to find it. Was it frustrating at times? Yeah, man, I failed a lot, you know, and I'm not afraid to say it. I think it built character and it, it taught me some life skills that, you know, you need to go through some things to learn these skills, you know, not everything is just in a book. Um, but yeah, I, I failed a lot, man. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely grateful to be here. When did you venture to Florida? How old were you then? Oh, man. So it's actually kind of a funny story. So what happened was I, I had started a, uh, a marketing agency working with holistic practitioners. Um, and unfortunately, COVID came around and uh, put me out of business. OK, so at that time, I had a friend that introduced me to someone that was selling life insurance. And I got involved with him and I started selling life insurance at that captive agency. Their training was good. I was only in the field there for one month. And what happened was... Uh, Within like my first two weeks of the field, I hit the number, I had most applications submitted on the entire team and they threw all this recognition for me and they had the music going, but I didn't make no money. So I was really confused. Like I knew right away, like I didn't waste time buying into like the, the pipe dreams there. I, within two months of me working there and realizing I wasn't getting paid my worth, I was on the hunt for uh, an insurance company and I had two questions. What do you do? What do you what do you do for leads? And what's your count? That's that's all I want to know. Mm -hmm. And it's actually kind of funny because I had a mentor that I was really um, I followed pretty aggressively um, for a long time, and I didn't know he owned an insurance agency. So when I found that out, I researched his company and I tried to find someone that was right underneath him. So he was only one phone call away. And when I talked to the guy, he said forty percent comp. And when I asked him about leads, he said, we don't believe in leads. And anything else he said after that, I didn't hear. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> that's and that's actually when, uh, like, I was on the hunt. So when I when I was talking, when I met you through um, somewhere on Facebook with Life yeah. Insurance, and I was, I was actually looking at another opportunity called Outbound Closing, where I would have been a salesperson. And it was like, which one am I going to do? And after talking with you, I literally sold everything I owned, okay, jumped in the van with my uh, girlfriend that was pregnant and my daughter and moved down to Southern Florida. And, you know, I pretty much just roughed it for a little bit down there until I got my license and got things in motion. But once I started growing, I was going. I love that because you, you had that back against the wall mentality and you were willing to work and listen. How was that... Um with a girlfriend and, and conveying that to, you know, now a spouse and having kids, how is it like kind of getting her on board? Cause that I think is a big thing for people when they get into this, you know, you're doing something new, it's scary, the whole thing. And if you have opposition at home, it's going to make it really hard. So what did that look like for you? 
Well, to be completely honest, Steve, I'm pretty fortunate because my girl's a writer and she's pretty much like she's a team player. And, and not only that, but she actually helps me pretty tremendously in my business when it comes to like um, follow ups. And, you know, I uh, I keep a spreadsheet where I track all my data. OK, so going back for the past year and a half, um, and I, I don't mean to get sidetracked here, but I, I have a spreadsheet of every single appointment I've ever done. Uh, date, phone number, um, name, and then appointment details, whether it's a no-show or a no-sale or I want to think about it, whatever it is, it's in the spreadsheet and then follow-up notes. So she helps me kind of like keep up on my spreadsheet to make sure it doesn't fall behind. And then whenever I, you know, have some extra time, I open up the spreadsheet and I try to squeeze some juice out, you know, do some follow-ups and I can literally just know where I left off with those clients. So she helps me with my spreadsheets. She helps me um, just keep things in order. She's great. She's a she's definitely a team player. That's awesome because that is so vital. <clears throat> and you know she's that ride or die for you. And now you went from trying to make it, getting licensed, which you got licensed. What was it? A year, maybe a year and a half ago, maybe something like that. Maybe almost Love two that. years at this point. Mm -hmm to now helping 176 families last year, you know, you're, you're setting a goal that we're going to talk about, about hitting hall of fame and protecting 400. Now you got yourself going a little bit down here and then you realize, Hey, let me go where some leads are move to Virginia. So what did that transition look like? Well, um, I was, I was, Danielle, Danielle Byrne was helping me with a client, um, in regards to some retirement planning. And that's the cool thing about family first life is that I, I believe if you work hard and you have discipline and, and uh, you know, dedication to your craft that people that work around you will see that and they'll look out for you. And um, I had a client that um, he was much older than his wife and he had small children. So he was just like, you know, it's, I'm, I'm probably going to die first and I just want to make sure that they're set. Um, and I pretty much maxed him out. I maxed him out on as much life insurance as I can, his kids, his wife, and everyone was protected. And through my uh, presentation, I knew he had, you know, some uh, significant savings in the bank. So I wanted to connect him. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to help him out with some retirement planning. And that's how I got connected with Danielle Byrne. And she helped me with that client. And we just had such good chemistry. Um, I was actually in the process of moving back to Chicago at that time. And she had told me, she's like, well, I got some work out here. So I ended up coming out here and, you know, working with her and learning from her more importantly. That's awesome. Cause that's one really key thing. There's two things about you. A lot of things I love, but two really specific things. One, you talked about your organization. You're very organized. You're very structured and you're very much where you know what's going on and when it's going on. And then number two, and it's a lost art, I think, today, you're a, a true student of the game. Like, you helped that many families last year because you worked hard and had leads, but also because you went out and sought information and were not afraid to ask different people. And now I think you're really hitting your stride because you've put in the time to learn. So talk to people about the importance, obviously, of activity, but learning your craft. I'll forever be a student of the game. And it's like I told you earlier in this podcast when I said, you know, at my old job, I looked at the veterans and realized that they didn't have what I wanted. When I came to, I moved to Southern Florida to learn from you. Like one of the greatest in the industry, I, of course, I want to be down there and learn from you. 
Um, learning is critically important. And honestly, I believe like once you kind of start mastering your craft, I believe in like, um, I don't know how to say it, but like specialized learning, like, okay, so you figure out kind of like where you're struggling, if it's the phones or if it's your in-home or if it's your follow-up, whatever it is, if your follow-ups, if your uh, in-home is good, you know, you don't need to spend a tremendous amount of time training on that because it's a system. If you have a working system, don't change it. But let's say you're on the phones and, you know, you're losing someone after your intro or you're losing someone after, you know, your, your second or third question in the phone call, then you identify where you're losing people and you train on that specifically. And then you just start to master your craft, man. I mean, I, I, I hear things still to this day all the time that are just like, that blow my mind. I don't know. I don't know if you ever heard uh, Mindy Tibbs train on um, living benefits, but it's insane, man. It kind of makes you realize that you got to step your game up a little bit. You got to be humble in this industry because there's always people out there that are better than you. Hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. And and that's why I think as a company we are where we are, because I don't think we lose sight of that. I don't think we lose sight of the fact that it it takes hard work to do this. And the humbling effect is the as hard as it can be sometimes to be humbled. You know, whether it be somebody saying no or no show or not knowing something, it's actually a gift. Because if everybody walked or if you walked around and said, Man, I protected 176 families and, you know, a year ago, I didn't, I didn't know how to do any of this. You wouldn't take yourself to the next level and then the next level and then the next level. So that is a blessing. So talk to us about these goals now. So you're looking at 2023. You text me a couple of weeks ago. You said, Steve, I'm going to hit the Hall of Fame. What does that look like for you? And what does that mean to you? Well, Hall of Fame to me is much more than just 400K in deposits. It's about how many families I could sit down with, get in front of, and protect. Um, this Hall of Fame run also entails um, stepping my game up with my mind, body, and spirit, seeing how healthy I get, how many distractions can I remove from my life. It's just an all-around lifestyle. So it's not just 400K in deposits that I'm gunning for. I'm gunning for changing my entire lifestyle and um, honestly, I'm, I'm aiming higher than 400K because I'm not going to come short. It's already happened, Steve. I love it, man. Because, <laughs> you know, the amazing thing about goals, when you are willing to give it everything you have and sacrifice, obviously you have a great support system and a great wife who's willing to allow you the time to do what you need to do. It is over before it starts because you know what you're going to do. And I also will say you talked about health. You, you look really great. Like you look like you're hitting the gym. You look, you look good, refreshed, and, you know, like you got some, you know, northern air in you or something. <laughs> no, I do feel good, man. I, you know, it, it's a big part of what we do, I believe. So, like, if you, if you eat like crap, you're going to feel like crap in the field. And that energy is going to transition to people as you're sitting down with them. Um, so in the mornings, I, I, I always drink smoothies before I hit the road. I take my vitamins, drink a bunch of water, work out, and I leave just feeling powerful, man. You know, it's, it's good. I love it. So now you've definitely um, learned a lot in the way of your skill set in the house. Um, you've always done a great job of calling from the house when you don't know things, but you definitely, I can tell now, just based on your numbers and talking to you, you've taken that to another level. 
Give us, I don't need the whole in-home, but give us some little things that you do that maybe you've learned along the way that maybe you didn't do in the beginning, but now you do that are helping you close more than you were before. All right. So I got a couple of things. Um, the first, I, I think is critically important to learn how to read body language in this business. Okay. Now, when I, well, first of all, before I get to someone's house, um, I pull over like four houses or a block up the road where they can't see me. And I just make sure that I got all my stuff together. I look at their names on the calendar and I say them in my head. So by the time I see them and I say their name, it's almost like I've like met them before because I'm, I'm not guessing what their name is. Okay. Um, so when I pull up to the house, it's all business. I grab my stuff very efficiently and get out of my car. I don't mess around or fumble around paperwork. Uh, and then when I knock on the door, I'm reading body language from the very first second I, I meet somebody. If they open the door and it's like an older lady and she's like a little nervous, I, I, you know, yeah. I give her like a big smile, wave, friendly energy. If it's like a dude with alpha male energy, then I just like, hey, how are you doing? I'm here for an appointment. Do you have a table we can sit at? Like, it's just straight to business. So right away, I'm reading body language. Um, when you're talking to the clients, just make sure that you're listening. We got two ears and one mouth. We're supposed to listen more than we speak. Um, something that Danielle has really drilled into my mentality about these in-homes is um, calculating income upon death and current life insurance, okay? Um, these are like, in, in my opinion, some of the most important factors of your actual client worksheet um, because a lot of these clients actually haven't calculated their income upon death. And when you show them what the reality is, then you can start asking some difficult questions and, and, and drawing out some emotion because the reality is Mary might not be doing so good if Bob passes away, you know, and you have to kind of bring that to the table. Um, as for current coverage, I'll do anything it takes to get that information. I don't care what it takes. Like I, I'll call companies, even if I'm not contracted with them, it doesn't matter because you need to know if that policy is going to expire. Is it going to go up in price? Um, is it an accidental policy? We, and if, if they're guessing the details of it, it's worth it to call the company and get that information. Okay. Um, I already kind of talked about tracking the data with the spreadsheets. Um, I think the one thing that I changed a lot from when I was new to now is honestly, uh, taking, so when, when you're doing your in-home, right. And you have multiple appointments and you've been sitting there and you're sweating, you're, you're submitting the application, you're working, um, you're kind of eager to get to your next appointment, especially if you got a lot of them. But I believe that last section of your appointment is one of the most crucial, which is the tie down, because you need to just take a breath and slow down. The other client's going to be there when you get there. And if not, there's more clients, but you have to just take a minute to let these people know, like, look, um, I'm very grateful. I got you approved for this coverage um, at your age. And with some of these ailments that you have, um, if you try to get insurance in the future, it might be very uh, expensive and, and potentially impossible. Okay. So we got to make sure that this policy stays on the books, no matter what. Um, that being said, I told you I was a field underwriter. Um, there, unfortunately there's some, you know, there's some salespeople of this business that are very good with their words and tricky. They'll say anything to get in front of you. If they call you and tell you you're due for a policy review, um, or if they tell you that they work with me or anything, just hang up with them and, and give me a call. If they, if they give you any questions, or raise any questions that might, you know, get your wheels turning, call me directly and I'll shoot you straight. And then I always give them a, a couple extra business cards. Like, um, you know, here's a couple extra business cards. If you think I did a good job for you, uh, referrals are greatly appreciated. I feel like I could get better with, with like getting referrals, but I always ask, 
because you don't get what you don't ask for. You know, and most people, if, if they trust you enough to submit an application, they probably trust you enough to send their brothers and sisters over to you. Uh, so slowing down at the end of the appointment and really tying it down, I think, is very important, especially if it's a bigger policy. Wow. That is some gold right there. Now, one of the biggest things, and I, I think it's hard to teach a new agent. I think a new agent, and you'd probably agree with me, a lot of the things that you said in how you approach someone, an older lady, uh, a, a guy who you know, wants to take control, that psychology, would you agree, is one of those things that, like, you can't learn from, you know, re watching a video. You got to learn from actually getting in the house and getting in front of someone. That's 100% correct. Um, nothing's going to teach you that but experience. And look at my last year. Um, I don't remember the exact number, but whatever it was of families I protected, I looked at that as a apprenticeship. So I made that much money mm. learning my, okay? There's nowhere else you're going to go and get paid like a doctor to learn a craft and then be able to double it the following year. Like it's insane. So I think that a lot of the stuff is going to be learned through experience. Uh, you have to get through the no's to get to the yeses and you just got to keep your posture right. You know, no matter I get, I get kicked out of houses. I mean, I don't care, you know, like you're not going to hurt my feelings. Like I'm, I'm going to push this policy until you tell me to leave or I know it's just not going to work, you know? And the thing is that, these are things that you learn, you know, through experience. If someone tells me that, you know, the think about it objection, obviously we have to overcome that in the field daily. Um, I push really hard to overcome that, but sometimes it's it like, it goes back to reading body language. Like you have to determine if you have to book a follow-up or push the app until you get kicked out. Okay. You, you have to be reading the body language to know which, because some clients, you just know, if I leave this house, I'm not coming back. Yep. So I'm going to push until you kick me out. And some clients, you know, are a little bit more sincere and they really want to talk to their wife about it. If if I can't push past that objection and they really need to talk to their wife about it, I won't leave there without having a follow-up appointment on the books already. I'm not calling you in a week. I won't be talking to you Monday. Let's just get it on the schedule now and we're going to, you know, I'll see you Monday or whatever it is, you know. And it's the same thing as booking appointments. Just tell them what you're doing and give them the options and make them pick. I love that, man, because the... the the posture that you take is so critical. And, and it's funny, all the trainings that you'll see, most of it is always centered around like how to do the phone script and how to do this and how to do that. But the psychology is really what takes you where you need to go. I've very few times heard people talk about body language, but I'm glad you did because it's huge. The eye contact, the way the client is, is taking in what you're basically selling. And then also, I think the way like you're in the field right now, the way you come across, like you look professional, you look like you know what you're doing. And then on top of it, when you start talking, you're, you're coming across that way. And I think that's more valuable than if I teach you how, how to write an IUL. Does that make sense? Yes. And that's, that's actually one more nugget that I'm going to throw out there. So when, uh, when I enter the client's home, it's all business. There is no like talking about their family or like, um, you know, sports teams or none of that. It's, it's straight. Like we find the table and I just go right into my presentation. I show my, my, my license. Uh, I explain to them, you know, about me being a field underwriter and being contracted with multiple carriers. I build rapport through my presentation. 
So there's certain points of the client worksheet. So it's all business. There is no rapport building because then they see what I'm there for. And then on the client worksheet, once we get to the children, now I, I have kids, okay? And most of the people we sit down with are seniors and they got grandkids. So I'll stop for a minute of my straight body language of being all business and I'll ask them about their grandkids. Because if they have grandkids, they love their grandkids and they love talking about them. So once they mention their grandkids, I smile and I ask them how old they are. And I, I always say the same line. Every time someone's got grandkids, I say the same line every time. It's uh, my parents always tell me that the best part about having grandbabies is you get to hand them back. Is that true? And I like give them like, a <laughs> smile and nod. They always smile and nod back like, oh, yeah. And that's so that's my first place of me being a human. You see what I'm saying? And yep. then the presentation is where I'm building rapport, not upfront. I love that. Um, it's such valuable stuff that's so much more important than any product training. Because the reality is, and you d did this your whole time in, in doing this, when you don't know where to what product to write, you just call me or call Danielle or call, pick an FFL agent, call them like, they'll tell you what to write. But teaching you how to actually be in the moment with the person and how to handle that person because everybody's different. Everybody needs, you know, they have different needs. That is so huge. When do you think the light bulb of the psychology and the body language went off for you? Well, the thing is that um, given my background, I body language is something that I've been reading since I was a small child. So it's like that that's something that was never really, you know, taught to me. It's just, it just happened over time. But I think that... Um, you know, after a few months in the field, you start to kind of realize that, you know, if you get a no sale, you're never going to see these people again, you know, and on top of that, like, even if you quote unquote mess up your presentation, well, they don't know what the presentation is supposed to be like. They don't know how it's supposed to go. So even if you mess up and you do it with confidence, they're not going to know the difference. You see what I'm saying? So I, I think a couple months into the field, it, it kind of clicked pretty, pretty quickly. Usually it happens when you got kicked in the teeth a couple of times and you get sick of getting kicked in the teeth and you realize, all right, I got to put my line in the sand and do something here. <laughs> That's awesome. So what are some of the things you think you're going to need to sacrifice to legitimately, you know, double your production this year? Um, well, there's a lot, man. I mean, the thing is that when, when I was growing up, my dad taught me that um, being distracted makes you a target to get robbed. Okay. Cause we lived in a bad neighborhood. So he taught you never to, you know, be distracted. You got to be always kind of observant. And I think that that carries into what we do here, because I think that being distracted makes you a target for laziness in this business. So if you're getting distracted and scrolling Facebook too much and drinking and, you know, partying with your friends, you know, it's going to slow you down. And that being said, like even in the morning, so like that's something that I had to remove is, um, you know, if I wake up and, and make a cup of coffee and scroll Facebook for a little bit, it really does affect my day negatively. So removing those distractions and replacing them with healthy habits, uh, removing negative like bad foods and replacing it with healthy foods um, and just stuff like that, man, just always moving forward and, and it's not about just adding stuff. It's also about removing stuff too. And it's an equal balance. I like the removing stuff because that is true. Typically you you have to remove more than you actually have to add and you just got to keep it simple and keep it consistent. 
So mm-hmm. give me just one last thing, and this has been great. I think you know the stuff that you went over on the in-home is so simple but so poignant, and I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it. What would you say for people who were in your position, you know, we'll call it a year and a half ago, um, and they're trying to, to get it going and the back's against the wall and, like, you just got licensed? What do you say to those people to take them to now a year and a half later where you are today? Well, you got two options. You can either, when your back's against the wall, you can either run or fight. And unfortunately, a lot of new agents decide to run because the times get hard. Um, What I can tell you is that um, I'm not that special. I just work hard and I'm dedicated um, and disciplined. But everything that I've learned has been learned through trainings and from reaching up and reaching out. And honestly, I'll never forget the times that, you know, you, you've helped me when, you know, I was struggling as a new agent, Orlando's helped me, Tears helped me, you know, Danielle's helped me. So I think that if you're willing to put in the blood, sweat and tears and truly give it your all and truly invest in your business, there are people above you that are willing to help you out, but you have to put in the work. I don't think people above you are going to want to help out someone who's only in it halfway. So Mm -hmm. just get on all the way in and if you need help ask for help uh have a high willingness to learn okay continue mastering your craft and figuring out what works and what doesn't work and uh, eventually it'll click and you'll be able to invest more money in the leads and make more money in in, in in the return love it super excited to see you in miami and it's interesting when i asked you before and i said hey you're going to be a convention of course you were like yes i'm going to be there because i'm going to learn even more and I'm going to soak it all in, and I'm going to really take this to the next level. So if anybody out there is on the fence, I get it. Flights, hotel, stuff costs money. I got it. But if you truly want to take your business to the next level, the convention is going to, is just off the hook. So I'm really excited to see you. I'm super proud of you, and I'm just honored to, to have you as part of the team. I appreciate it, Stu. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Absolutely. All right, we'll see you soon. Take care.